Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored uh, and dedicated in loving memory of Moshe Dabah, Alava Shalom, Louis Nishma Moshe Ben Gilsom, sponsored by his wife, Yvette, and children. As well, the uh, is dedicated in loving memory, Louis Nishma Miro Ben Gita, Silvera of Milano, Alava uh, Shalom, sponsored, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Carol and Maurice Silvera. Um, as well, dedicated anonymously for the Rafuash Shema of Benjamin Ben Sultan. And the week of Kolber was dedicated in loving memory of Moshe Dabala Vashalom Nishma Moshe Ben Gilsom, as well as sponsored by his wife Yvette and children, and um, sponsored by James Haddon in honor of Rabbi Fari's legendary dance moves on full display at the Said slash Hadad wedding. <laughs> I think that's the last day. Uh, that you have to find out about those moves. Um, we've done, we're done with the week. Okay. Uh, also, we'd like to have a, a special shout out to uh, someone who's joining us today from London. Shira Druin is here, uh, who's done tremendous work with us uh, in Chazak in the past, in developing the, uh, the magazine. And uh, we, we, we merited to have her here with us as well. Uh, there's a big Ezrat Nashim that have joined us from uh, different countries and different locales. We're always happy to have um, uh, more and more people for breakfast in the class, live edition. Okay, let's get cracking. I'd like to start by wishing everyone a magnificent Yom Yerushalayim, uh, a day that uh, we as Am Yisrael experienced tremendous miracles um, in the, uh, the flash war uh, that Am Yisrael fought. It's uh, an amazing thing to think about. This, uh, this concept uh, that uh, a nation that has everyone rising up against it to be able to literally, in the terms of our own enemies, drive us into the sea, uh, kill us man, woman, and child, um, manages to fight and not only uh, uh, protect itself, but to liberate Yerushalayim and allow Am Yisrael to return to the place, to its home, to be able to pray in, in the place where our forefathers uh, prayed uh, throughout all of Jewish history. My friends, on this auspicious day, I'd like to talk about an interesting topic. And let's begin with uh, the Pasuk. The Pasuk says in se- first uh, parasha in Sefer by Midbar, it says, Ufkudat el Azab and Aaron Akohen, Shemena Maor, Uktor Tasamim, Umilchat Tamid, Vishemena Mishcha. Ufkudat. What does ufkudat mean? In, uh, in Hebrew, when you say you give someone, right, pikuda, uh, what does that mean? An order. So what's ufkudat elazar? Elazar's mission, his job, his order. He was ordered to what? To shemena maor, to the oil for the lighting of the candles. Uktor tasamim and the, uh, the incense that would be burned in the Beit HaMikdash every day. And the mincha that came along with the korban tamid in the morning and the evening. And the oil of anointing that was used either for the kelim or for the kohanim or for the, uh, uh, for the kings. That was the oil of anointing, the anointing oil. Now, I want to read you a magnificent midrash. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi taught. Elazar haya duch duchnin. He was uh, a leader of leaders. 
And the Pasuk quotes it when it says, V'nasi nisi'e halevi Elazar ben Aaron HaKohen. We use a double expression of leader for the words for Elazar. V'nasi nisi'e halevi. What does that teach us? It teaches us that he was the leader of all the nisi'im. So each tribe had a nasi that was leading that tribe. But who led the leaders? And the Midrash explains that the leader of the leaders was Elazar HaKohen. The leader of tribe of Levi led all the other tribes. Says the Midrash, look at the power that this man had. You would think, because he was such a great man, he would let others carry his vessels. But rather, he himself would carry all of his own vessels and akutrumah. And the order, the mission of Elazar was to carry these things. Mamshikh, the Midrash continues. How would Elazar carry all of these things? Amru Rabotan, our rabbis teach, the anointing oil, Bimino, was in his right hand. And the incense was carried in his left hand. And the mincha, the measure of flour that was used for the mincha of the tamid of the morning, was was hung on his arm. Where would he put the ben uh, arbaim, the flour for the afternoon service? He would hang on his belt a uh, uh, a pouch. And in that pouch was hanging the rest of the flour. Now, my friends, and just for a second, I want you to imagine the image of Elazar Kohen, who was the leader of the tribe of Levi, which was in turn the leader of all the leaders, and he's running around carrying things as if he's on Uber Eats. Okay? The guy has something hanging on every arm, something in every hand, something hanging from his belt. Now, the Ramban, Nachmanides, takes us one step further. So just so you understand what it is that we're talking about here. He says, the Ketoret, we know, we just said in the prayers, was Shloshmot Shim Hamisha Mana, 365 portions. Says the, uh, the, the Ramban, the weight of 365 Mana is equal to 180 kilo. So just for the Americans here, a, a kilo is 2.2 pounds. How much, is, how much is 180 kilo? Almost, sorry? 396, almost 400 pounds. So he's carrying the ketoret, the, the, the full amount of ketoret in the year, he's carrying in one of his hands, which one of his hands we already said? In his left hand. That's his weaker hand. And what about the shemen, la ma'or, the oil for lighting the candles? Is kuf pe gime lugin, is 183 lug, which is about 60 liters of oil. 
This is what he's carrying in each hand, okay? And then he's got the minchat tamid, we don't know. Is he carrying only for the day or for the others? But at least we know it's something else on his arm and something else on his waist. This man is walking around. There's no other term, mechilat kevod Elazar Kohen, who was the leader of the leaders, who would eventually become the Kohen Gadol. In place of Aharon Kohen. Mechila, but he's walking around like a hamor, like a donkey. Carrying this weight, not giving it to anybody else, is that kavod for someone like that? If I walk into the Beit Knesset and I'm carrying anything more than a sidur, if I'm holding a sidur and a chumash, people are chasing me. Rabbi, I give me the sidur, let me carry. I'm walking three feet. How old and frail am I? I can't carry a sidur and a chumash. People want to take it from you. Elazar is walking around, 400 pounds in his right arm. God knows how many pounds. Think about it, a liter of oil. What does one of those weigh? You know, two, three pounds? It's thick. Oil is thick. A liter is a, right, is volume. It's not weight. Right? So you imagine a liter, a liter bottle of oil. It's not, it's two pounds. So 400 pounds, 120 pounds. I don't know how much the flour is weighing on either side. Right? Then the shemen, then the shemen, the mishcha. The guy's 500, 600 pounds. He's carrying around him everywhere. Says Ramban, Aval haya elazar hazak ve'amitz ki Yaakov avinu. He was strong and he was courageous like Jacob. V'chen Moshe ve'Aaron. It says also about Moshe and Aaron, his brother. Those who have trust in God, they switch their strength. If their strength is waning, they have another battery pack. Boom. Keep on drumming. Energize the bunny. Go, go, go. What Ramban sees over here as a matter of feat of incredible strength, however, the Ba'alei Musar see a little bit differently. And I want to just share this perspective because I think that there's something here which is incredibly beautiful and uniquely Jewish. We turn to Parashat Noah. In Parashat Noah we read about a man who was considered a tzaddik, a tamim, a person who achieved perfection. And who says he's a tzaddik? Not his mother. (laughs) Not his third grade rebbe. Oh, tzaddik. God himself calls Noah a tzaddik. Right? The narrative in Pashat Noah is God speaking. Chashuv guy, right? And yet, when it comes time to the Teva, God does not say to Noah, pick up the phone, and call TaskRabbit and get them to build you a boat. doesn't say that. He doesn't ask him to commission a boat in the shipyards in Boston. He doesn't ask him in Maine, wherever they, the big shipyards were. He doesn't ask Noah to get a group of uh, immigrant workers that he picked up in a low-income neighborhood, you know, to work at minimum wage 
to help him build the boat. Who builds the boat of Noach? Noach builds the boat. And then he has in his, uh, in his teba 300 amot. Does anyone know how long a, base, a basketball court is? The length of a basketball court. You can Google it. I'll wait. 60 feet? No. It's longer than that, I believe. What do we got? Basketball court. How long? Sammy left for this one. We could have used him. Sammy's a big basketball player. Regulation basketball court. NBA size. 92 feet. A basketball court is big. It's long. Could you throw a basketball from one end of the court to the other easily? No. No. Hard, right? Okay. Now imagine that the Teva is 300 amot. And amot, according to most opinions, is between one and a half to two feet. So let's just make the calculations easy. It's 600 feet if you hold two up two feet per amot. And if it's 1.5, what are we talking? Right? 450 feet. Four and a half basketball courts. Or six basketball courts. Lined with animals on both sides. Okay? That is how long this is. And Noach is spending all day, every day. What does he do in the Teva? You imagine Noach with his beautiful beard, his big tzaddik persona, He's got the big uh, the hood over his head like Baba Sali. That's Noach. Magnificent designer slippers from Givenchy, right? Amazing. Perfectly manicured toenails. This is Noach. Noach, my friends, is a slave. Not to a human master, but to animals, to reptiles, to birds. All day long, for the duration of the time that he's in the Teva, Noach is sitting there feeding animals, cutting up meat for the lions. Once he was late and the lions swiped him. And he was injured from that, from that story. All day long, this is what Noach's doing. The big tzaddik. He doesn't have time. No tehillim. He's not finishing shots. What's Noach doing? He's feeding the animals, cleaning up their poop. Great Noach. Rashi says on the Pasuk, Vayishair Ach Noach, that only Noach was left. Ach is a miut. It means a small amount, like only. Only guard my Shabbatot. What's Ach Noach? Shayad Goneach. He was moaning. Bleeding, dripping blood. From working for the animals and for the wild beasts. How can we do this to Noach? God, you love Noach? No problem. Give him an army of zoologists to take with him in the Teva. I don't know, God. Do a miracle. Have the animals themselves feed each other. Mabarif. Work it out. Now, I want to share with you this idea because I think it's very powerful. Rav Yeruchim, who was the, known as the Mashkiach of Mir, 
was a tremendous Baal Musar. And he explained that the question itself indicates a disconnect and a misunderstanding, a lack of understanding on our part. And in order to explain this, I want to quote the Gemara in Kiddushin. The Gemara in Kiddushin on page 32 tells a story about Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Tzedok. Three rabbis, Hayam Misubim, they were partying in a, at some sort of uh, party. I don't mean that they went to a house party and they're chilling. I mean there's a wedding, there's an occasion, it's a party. They're in a bet mishteh. Rabbi Gamliel stood up over them and he's pouring them cups of wine. He gives the cup to Rabbi Eliezer. He refused to take the cup from Rabbi Gamliel who was the Nasi by the way. The second rabbi he gives him the cup of wine. He takes it. Rabbi Eliezer turns to his friend Rabbi Yoshua, he says, what's wrong with you? Maze Yoshua, what are you doing? Anu Yoshivin, we're sitting, and Rabban Gamliel, Omedu Mashkealenu, he's going, he's giving us drinks. What is he, our bartender? Amailu Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua said, Matsinu Gadomi Menu Shoshimesh. There's someone who's bigger than him that served. And who is it? Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu served the three guests that come to him in the desert, the three angels, he sees these three angels and he serves them hand and foot. So Abraham is greater than Rabban Gamliel and if it was good enough for Abraham, it's good enough for Rabban Gamliel. We could drink. We could, we could enjoy from his service. Vishema Tomar, and maybe you're going to say, well that's because they were Malachim and that's why Abraham served them. He didn't know they were Malachim. He thought there were three wandering Arabs in the desert. You still see Abraham, he wasn't too big to serve them. So therefore we could use, we could have this cup that was served to us by Rabban Gamliel. Amal Rabbi Tzadok, at this point the third rabbi chimes in. Until when, he says, are you going to be more cognizant of kavod habiriyot, the honor of the creations? than you are with the honor of God himself. Does not God cause the winds to blow? Does not God cause the crops to grow? Does not God uh, uh, arrange our tables and give us food and take care of us and, and heal us? Look at how much God does for humanity. We, we can't have, we can't take from a cup that Rabban Gamliel is giving to us. Rav Yeruchim explained the Gemara is telling us a tremendous idea. He's not saying that it's okay for someone who is big to serve. He is saying that what makes someone big is the fact that they serve. Noach was ist tzaddik. He was tamim, he was perfect. Et Elohim Noach. He walked with God. You know what it means to walk with God? It means to emulate God. What does God do if not to serve humanity? <clears throat> you know, the Talmud tells us a crazy story. There's a man whose name was Unculus. And Unculus was the nephew 
of the Roman Caesar Hadrian, Adrianus Caesar. Somehow, Hadrian, sorry, Unculus, converts to Judaism. I guess there was Chabad in Rome or something. Right? They brought him to a couple of Fabrengans. And Unculus is like, yeah. He converts the nephew of Hadrian. Anyway, it's a humiliating story for the emperor. So he sends his soldiers to go bring back his nephew to Rome. Anyway, the soldiers come and Unculus starts talking to them. Dvar Torah, Halachayim. Next thing you know, what happens? All the soldiers convert to Judaism. Ya'ini. Hadrian sends another set of soldiers. Unculus again has another conversation. Second set of soldiers, he tells them a Dvar Torah, a nice story, turns on breakfast in the class. Chalas! Done! Toast! They all convert. Hadrian says to his third group of soldiers, go get my nephew and don't let him say a Dvar Torah. <laughs> if he tells you, do we have time for a class? No. Close your ears. He gives them, you know, branded Emperor Hadrian earplugs. And he sends them off to go retrieve his nephew, the third group. He grab, they grab him and he says, can we have a class? They said, no. He said, okay, if you're going to take me, before we go, will you let me do one last thing? They say, sure. They put him down. He reaches up and he gives a kiss to the mezuzah. And they ask him, what are you doing? <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're wearing tzitzit and tefillin. Okay. What are you doing? He says, in a Jewish home, you have the opposite of what your emperor has. You see, God is the God of the Jewish people. And what does he do? We put his words on the front of the house and he guards our homes. Is that the way of a human king of flesh and blood that he should guard his people? Or is it the way of flesh and blood that the people should guard him? That is what's so special about the God of the Jewish people. Chalas, they all converted. <laughs> My friends, whether or not the guards converted, to us the message is clear that what makes God so special is the fact that he is, so to speak, uh, his primary midah that we know him by is the midah of chesed, of existing, so to speak, for another. Olam chesed yibaneh, the Ramchal writes, God created the world because as a perfect being, what does a perfect being want to do more than to give to another? So God created the world in order to give to it. If that is a function of God's perfection of his shlemut, so then we understand that if you describe Noah as being tamim, as being a perfect person, what is in the DNA of a person like Noah? A need, a desire to give to another. So God commands Noah to build a teva. God is not, Noah's not quetching about that. Noach's not quetching about serving the animals. The greater a person is, 
the more they exist to serve. In fact, the direct barometer by which you know how great a person is, is by how great their desire is to live and to exist for another. <clears throat> In fact, when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away, the job is given to Yehoshua. And the Midrash tells us that the reason why it was given to Yehoshua is because he was nar lo yamish oil, because he was a young man who never left the tent of Moshe. Never left the Beit HaMidrash. And the Yalkut Shimoni explains, He would be the first to come and the last to leave in the Beit Midrash. He would arrange the benches. And he would uh, put the tablecloths. He would arrange the Beit Midrash for the people to come study. The Shamash, the Gabai, is the Rabbi, Haron. You with me? The person who does the greater act of service is the one that was chosen to lead the Jewish people. At what point is Moshe Rabbeinu chosen for greatness? When he shows that even for a lost lamb, for one thirsty sheep that runs into the desert, he's willing to chase it for miles. At that point, God says, this is my man. Now you have people whose warped desire for leadership will force them to serve because they're seeking leadership. That's not the same thing. That is service, but an act of self-service. Yani, like a gas station in New Jersey. The point, my friends, here is something magnificent. Elazar is nasi of the nasi'im. And the way we started today is, and still he's carrying all this weight around like a chamor. No. You know what makes Elazar Nasir Nasim? The fact that he carries around the weight like a chamor. Loaded up on my back. The person who takes the greatest responsibility, who takes the jobs, who works for the people, who exists for the people. Working in the community is not about becoming on top of them. It's about understanding that you exist to serve them. My rabbi taught me before I took the job of being a rabbi that a rabbi's life doesn't belong to him, it belongs to Am Yisrael. And the way you choose what you do or where you go is based on what Am Yisrael needs you most for. It's a life where you choose to serve. Today is my father's birthday. Hashem Yishmireu V'Hayeu. Hashem should bless him with health and happiness until 120. Because Hashem, we're going today to celebrate his birthday in, uh, in New Jersey with the family. But on his birthday, today is his mazal. I want to share with you that if any one of you knows my father, doesn't, doesn't know him from shul, but knows my father, knows my father, will know that these words are directed at somebody like him. From when I was a young age, I would see my father picking up the books in the Beit Knesset, arranging. He wouldn't let the, the, uh, the workers in the shul put away the books. He put the books away. He would ask us to put the book, books away. My father would pick up dirty tissues that people had left in the seat because it wasn't Kavod Beit Knesset. 
My father would go into the kitchen and he would make the fool, the, the, uh, the special, uh, uh, you know, like a bean soup. Uh, I don't know what exactly, I don't know, the fool is like, it's, it's, it's beans, isn't it? So it, that, this Assyrian dish smells ya'ani, okay? But he would make the fool soup and bring it out to the people with a tray like this. He'd make eggs in the kitchen. Joe Carey, who was the president of the synagogue, you know, he said to my father, he said, look, you know, you're a rabbi. You shouldn't be, you don't have to work in the kitchen. Well, I'd get people to do that. But Joe didn't understand that it's my father's pleasure and it is honor to serve the people, to give them what they need, to go visit the sick, to spend time with the, uh, with the aging and the elderly, to go put tefillin. My father put tefillin on people for years who were practically in a coma, who couldn't say a word. He would say Shema with them. He would pray with them. He would encourage them. My father's life existed for service. That makes Nisi HaNisi'im, a leader of leaders, a great man amongst men. When that's how you live, many times I would see my father crying on the phone, in a phone call. And who would it be? Some stranger from the community, calling him up, telling him about their problems. He didn't have a solution. He wasn't able to fix it. But there was one thing he could do. He could cry with them. So that's what he did. That is greatness, my friends. That is the definition of what we're seeing over here. We start with the question, why is he carrying everything? What's this guy, Hamor? From the limited, selfish perspective of our generation. Greatness means pushing your responsibility on everybody else and standing in the limelight. That's what greatness means. So in our definition, we don't understand. How could someone great do that? Always annoys me when I'm giving a class in someone's house and the class is over and I'll pick up a coffee cup, I'll pick up a tray and I'll bring it back to the kitchen and they'll tell me invariably, Rabbi, it's not kavod. Don't, don't, uh, do. it's so twisted. It's the greatest kavod. If you're a rabbi, you shouldn't have me dot. If you're a rabbi, you shouldn't help out. You arrange this class you, you, for me in your home to, to, so I can teach. I shouldn't help you for two seconds to take something to the kitchen. It's not kavod to be a mensch. Where did, where did we go so wrong? My friends, <clears throat> to quote Rabbi Rucham, Ha'adam, the creation of man, Hileman Kiyum Ha'olam, was in order to sustain the world. Your purpose was Leman Hazulat, for the purpose of another. We were created for others. That's what Yerucham teaches. We were created, what is our purpose? For others. How far is the world that we live in from this? You listen to inspiring motivational speeches and it's all about, yeah, you put yourself first, girl. Yeah? Go out, go get some, go get money, go get the thing, go, go be famous. Go. Everything should be about you. Look great. Have people respect you and give you honor and give you things. That is the pedestal that people are aiming for today. 
It, it is so twisted. Is it any doubt? And I, I always say this, and again, forgive me. People want to know why marriages fail and why families fall apart and why children don't get along with parents. They think we have a shalom bayit problem in the world. Divorce rates over 70%. Sounds like a shalom bayit problem. Children disappearing from the path of their fathers. By the way, it's not only a Jewish problem. Go speak to someone in the Indian community. Go speak to someone in the Chinese community. Right? Go speak to them. Ask them if they are upset that their children are not following in the in the ways of their parents, in the traditions and in the cultures of their parents, or if they're assimilating into American culture. They'll also tell you the same thing. No respect. So we obviously have a children problem and a shalom bayit problem. You know, that's what we have. People are not, you know, they, they don't want to work. They lost the work ethic. We have a work problem. You know, <clears throat> there's a great line from Rav Chaim, and I'll end with this. Rav Chaim used to say, that if you have one question on the Gemara, on a sugya, so answer the question. If you have a couple of questions, so answer. But if after you have question after question after question, you don't look for an answer to those questions. You know what the answer is? The answer is that you learn the whole sugya wrong. And that's why you have so many questions. So as an example, if I look at Ralph and I say, Ralph, you know, you, know, you don't look like my wife. You don't sound like my wife. You, know, you, you, know, you, don't, you don't have the same skills as my wife. You know, I could give you different answers. Maybe he doesn't look because... because he, or I could say, you know what the answer is? All the questions are ridiculous. He's not my wife. Is that obvious? When there's enough questions, you need to rethink the premise. We do not have a Shalom Bayi problem. In the Jewish nation or in the world. We do not have a Chinuch problem in the Jewish nation or in the world. We do not have a work problem in the Jewish nation or in the world. We have a human being problem. We have redirected the purpose of humanity towards its own self. And therefore, we have a Shalom Bayit problem, and a Chinuch problem, and a work problem. Me, 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 me. Are we, are we clear? In a selfish world, Anything involving someone else, or you having to work, or you needing to do something, or you needing to give in or compromise is going to be a problem. So at the axis of selfishness and selflessness, we will have a breakdown. Don't call that by a bunch of different names. Let's just call it by its own name. It's, it's a perversion of what humanity was created to do and to be we were created to exist for another. Now, if that sounds bad, try and imagine a relationship between a husband and wife where he lives and breathes and dies for her and she lives and breathes and dies for him. Does that sound like a bad marriage? Think of a relationship between parents and children where all the kid can think of is how to do kibbut avaim, how to respect his dad. And all the dad and the mom is thinking, it's not about how to demand respect, but how to encourage and to love and to respect their child. Does that sound like a terrible relationship between parents and children? Doesn't sound so bad to me. We're so busy trying to get some that we wind up losing everything. You know what the job of Elazar is? His greatest job 
is to carry a bunch of stuff. And there's only a generation like us that could call the act of service an act of a hamor and not the highest achievement of a human being. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.